Hi, this is Stephanie Hupp and I'm the Chief Marketing Officer at Ania AB. There's a direct correlation between the amount of traffic on the network and how much energy it consumes. I'm Catherine Speglia, and this is Well Technically, the tech podcast where women do the explaining. Hi, Stephanie. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. Our conversation is going to revolve around how operators can use existing infrastructure to cut energy usage and some of the other systemic changes that kind of need to happen in the telecom space for a sustainable future, which is something that is important to a lot of people, a lot of industries. So I'm looking forward to that conversation. But first, what is an example of a time in which being a woman has empowered you? Yeah, it's it's interesting. I think I'd probably flip that around a little bit and say, you know, when has it been important to be a woman, uh, particularly in technology. And I spent uh, probably five years uh, recently when I was working for Telia, one of the telecom operators here in the Nordics, in the innovation area. And we were building new products and new services. And it became really clear when we were working with um, you know, smart home and smart technologies in a consumer domain to have you know a whole range of, of people in the room it became quite clear that if you left problem solving or innovation to a set of people that that shared the same kind of backgrounds and experiences, you didn't necessarily come up with a well-rounded solution. And I find it amusing, actually, that it took till 2021 for someone to invent a car that has a spot for a, a handbag. And the Apple Watch, I mean, the Apple Watch I have now is fantastic, but when it was first released, it didn't even have a period tracker. So, you know, I think it's so important that women are in the room when innovation is being done and when problems are being solved. It's ironic, you know, when you consider that software actually was a female domain um, initially. And it's and now here we are, you know, trying to increase the number of women in the industry um, when women used to dominate software development. So it's 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 amazing how things have changed. That whole software used to be a female domain is actually kind of a common uh, story. I used to study film and Hollywood in its infancy was kind of women and immigrant focus. There were a lot of readers and writers who it was women. It wasn't it wasn't white men. And then it started to make a lot of money. And yeah. so that changed who was involved in making those movies. Uh, and then we suddenly like forgot that women ever had anything to do with film. Exactly. Exactly. I think software is a bit the same. Before we get into the meat of the sustainability conversation, can you first talk to me a little bit about how telecom's perception and interest in sustainable practices has changed over the last few years and what sort of things contributed to these changes? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I've been in the telecom space since 1995, actually. So I'm dating myself there um, quite significantly and I'm working with sustainability actually since about 2005. And I think it's there's always been a bit of a balance. I think that particularly when mobile broadband and, and the advent of 3G, et cetera, was, was developing, the telecom industry was quite 
quick actually to look for ways that we could have a positive effect on other industries. And I remember working on calculating actually the the positive effects of mobile broadband applications like in a remote health, field service work, etc. And and that was quite um, important work at the time. So I think that's been a, a consistent thread. Um, how can we help other industries be do more, be more, be more efficient, etc. Where the industry perhaps has been a bit complacent um, has been that we've we haven't been sort of the, the worst polluters. We've we've been, you know, typically under 1.8% of global carbon emissions. I mean the the polluters were, you know, the airlines and the transport industry and agriculture, etc. So to a point I think that allowed the telecom sector to not have to put quite as much focus on our own footprint. When I was working in Southeast Asia, of course, you had we had a different dynamic because we had markets there where they didn't have good power grids. And then you have lots of diesel. Um, and so what we started to see, I think, was particularly in markets where um, they couldn't rely on energy and it came with a lot of cost. That drove a lot of action because if people are stealing your diesel, if you have to do multiple visits to site, um, if you're facing blackouts and potential you know, fines from regulators for your networks going down, then you pay more attention. Uh, so I would say that the energy crisis that we see certainly in Europe and, and in other parts of the world right now has provided that extra nudge to it because it's, it's hurting operators, um, you know, their bottom line dramatically today. So that, that's had a huge effect. There's probably another dimension that people probably think has had a big effect, and that would be, I guess, public perception and consumer pressure. And I think this is interesting in, in a few different ways. I think most, many operators in recent years have really been listening to their customers, um, particularly consumers that have um, a personal interest in choosing sustainable brands. People haven't necessarily always voted with their, with their hearts. They've often, they continue to vote with their wallets. So I think, you know, operators are doing the right things to try to bring out these green services, but where the momentum truly is, is where the business case stacks up. I'm relieved to hear that the business incentives are very clearly aligning with doing the quote unquote right thing. And and I think that is, you know, I've had it explained to me like this is a win-win-win situation, right? If we cut down on energy costs, everyone's winning, including the business. And the reality is, is it that needs to be the case in order for these big changes to happen. So it's yeah. nice to hear that. But I know that moving towards more sustainable operations can be kind of an overwhelming undertaking when you're thinking about everything else you have to have to keep in mind specifically during like this whole 5G cloud native transformation there's all these crazy transformations going on in telecom right now so this idea of using existing infrastructure to cut energy usage sounds probably appealing so can you tell me a little bit more about how they can do that yeah, and, and maybe before we do that, it might be worth to sort of step back and say, well, what other impediments have they had today? Because I think that even if right now we see a perfect storm and we're seeing, you know, the, the business case clearer than ever, it's still not the case that operators have always had the right information at their disposal to make um, smart choices. And I think as an industry, maybe with the best intentions, every player or, or vendor or provider has tried to provide quantification of um, environmental or energy benefits. But when you're trying to compare one base station's um, energy consumption in isolation on a per site basis with, you know, a whole of network energy consumption um, with different parameters, or if you're trying to look at, you know, kilowatts per megabit, it's it's not 
so easy to navigate and to make you know apples for apples comparisons and i think what you're bringing up here now i mean operators of course are trying to manage so many transformations concurrently so we all love the fact of course that 5g is way more energy efficient on a per megabyte basis but i think it did somehow take a lot of operators by surprise that the, that their bills kept going up because they hadn't sort of factored in the fact that they've got these duplicate networks, I mean, 2G, 3G, 4G, um, and the uh, relentless growth in traffic volume, of course, has meant that even if every megabit on the new networks becomes more efficient, in aggregate, you're, you're still actually consuming more. And I think that's why it's so important that, you know, we sort of break that energy curve so that we have an industry that is able to embrace, um, you know, the, the growing demand in traffic and, and deliver actually a net reduction uh, in real terms. So then how, how do you get there? I mean, you're right, it's, it is quite technical, quite complex. And all the operators, of course, should be working with the range of vendors that they have. And, and they, most of them, I'm assuming, are deploying, um, you know, intelligent network management approaches. You know, they've, they're already using MIMO, so their antennas should be more efficient. Most have probably implemented, you know, sleep modes. Um, you know, if a cell isn't getting a lot of traffic, they can put them into sleep, et cetera. And of course, optimizing the network all the time is super important. Where we come from at ANEAR is more in the software within the core of the network. Uh, and the problem that that we're particularly tackling is, well, if, if video is going to be 70 plus percent of all the traffic, why don't you focus on what is actually driving the traffic? There's a direct correlation between the amount of traffic on the network and how much energy it consumes. So if you can make that video traffic so much more efficient, then you can very quickly make your network um, you know, deliver the, the services the consumer wants at a much lower energy consumption. So if you, if you can compress or reduce um, the, the video by 20%, it doesn't have an effect on the user experience, but you can take 10% out of your, your network energy straight away. So those are the sorts of things that I think um, you, know, you need to look at in, in combination with all the things that you would do on your network anyway. And probably the other thing I think that maybe um, there's an opportunity for, for telcos to do more with is their Wi-Fi networks. I mean, many operators have also got a Wi-Fi infrastructure. You should be considering that the Wi-Fi is part of your overall um, network offering. And if you could offload to Wi-Fi in indoor environments, then you can prioritise how what you use your macro network for. So th there's definitely some gains to be had if operators start to think about it more holistically like that. Yeah, totally. And one of the first things you, you mentioned was using intelligent tools. And I know okay. that AI is emerging as a really powerful tool here, you know, across the network, but, but particularly if we're talking about energy management, but are there any unintended consequences that can arise when using AI to cut energy usage? If so, how would you recommend operators try to avoid these? Yeah, and I think AI is an interesting topic because, like you say, I mean, it's applied so broadly. And, you know, when I was working in, in Telia, we were working quite a lot with ethical and responsible AI. And I know that's a high agenda um, for, for many in the telecom industry today. Um, and, of course, AI basically does what you tell it to do. If you tell it to optimise 
for um, for profitability or optimize for energy or optimize for customer experience that's what the tools are going to do so i think anytime you want to deploy uh, an ai to help work on your network management and network performance or your investment strategy actually it's an important step to look at what are the potential risks um, when when i tell the ai to optimize one way or the other the kind of pitfall that um, you you can fall into is that if you purely optimise, for example, your capacity planning for profitability, then you're probably going to increase the capacity in socioeconomic areas of your footprint, which are more advantaged generally. And maybe the last ones to get um, a, a boost will be those areas where you don't, you have higher churn, you have more you know, prepaid customers, less profitable customer base. They're the sorts of things that um, you need to at least have a, a risk lens on when you design these systems. And with any AI, and this is generally um, not specifically just for energy, but with any AI, I mean, they should be continuously learning. So the model should be able to develop as, you know, you run more routines and and. And so that means you need to check in every so often and make sure that your model is actually still delivering what you have asked it to deliver. The industry has always sort of talked about, you know, sustainable development and, you know, the perfect match of, you know, people and profit and planet, et cetera. And I think um, there are some really encouraging signs. Um, you know, we, we have uh, regulation um, that, of course, is encouraging the responsible use of AI and identifying where there are risks, um, you know, in, in different industries and, and telecom and, and energy are both um, critical industries. Um, so they have special attention. And you also have, I think, other sort of um, parts of the system that are helping to move the telecom industry in the right direction. The uh, green bonds um, and, you know, ESG investing, for example, is having a huge influence if you look at the number of operators that have, um, you know, uh, released green bonds in the last two to three years, um, big portions of that is going to um, 5G, to fibre and to power purchase agreements or renewable investments. Uh, and that's a really positive thing. But there are some areas I think systemically we need to be a little bit mindful of as well. And one is, um, you know, keeping an eye on the um industry structure that we have. Um, on one hand, I think 5G is very much designed for best of breed. I mean, it, it should be, you know, a software-based um, network environment that means that operators, um, you know, can have vendor diversity and they can actually implement, you know, specialist software to perform certain functions and they're not sort of bound to buy everything from the one vendor. Um, but we're also seeing a situation where uh, a lot of operators are selling large portions of their tower assets as well uh, and that actually does change some of the energy dynamic um, because you know the site power can actually be in the hands of the tower company um, so shared infrastructure of course is is environmentally good um, but it also means that that it's a little bit more complex in terms of who's in charge of that of that power supply Stephanie, thank you so much for this conversation. It was one of the more kind of thorough explanations I've I've ever had about what's going on in the telecom space as regards to sustainability. So I really appreciate kind of all the different uh, angles you introduced me to of this conversation. So thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Oh, you're most welcome. Anytime. Thanks, Catherine.
Well Technically is an Arden Media production. For advertising inquiries, contact Danny Miller at dmiller at ardenmedia.com. <laughs>